Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Shred Stakes. This is episode 17, and I'm really happy to be back here today on this beautiful Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to all those fathers out there, and hope everyone, again, has a really good time with their family and enjoys the time spent over this couple of months with your family and everything like that. And today, I thought it'd just be a good opportunity for me to jump into a few fun topics when I mean fun, things that are a little bit controversial, but really interesting to look into. The first topic I'm going to look into and speak about right now is about the stalemate between the Player Association and the league in the MLB. I talked about it previously on one of my other podcast episodes, but I wanted to go into more details about new proposed plans by the league and why the Players Association's going against it. And basically what I've gathered is that the Players Association – is really upset based on the fact that they want more games to allow their salary to be higher, the, be the amount they're supposed to be paid this year. And the reason why they're frustrated about that is because the league can't generate enough money from revenues based on what's going on right now to be able to pay that. So if they play 70 games this year, they want to be paid, let's say, they were supposed to be paid a million dollars this year. A player is supposed to be paid a million dollars this year. They want to get paid that million dollars. They don't want to be paid – $400,000, hypothetically, right? That's, just, that's what they're claiming. The league is saying, well, we want to have it be 60 games and play the 60 games, you get paid for your 60 games. And from their side, they don't have enough money in, in revenues or just overall from this past year to generate the market in their mind that these players want. And they're also trying to keep things safe. They're trying to be really careful about when they go to Florida and Arizona because of the spikes in COVID cases that have occurred there recently. There's been major increases in both states, which is, really, which is again, really concerning for baseball. And I guess from all the information, you know, the, the play association won 70 games. They originally won 114. The league will not bargain any higher than 60 games. So it's hard because it's a big stalemate. And my, from my opinion, people are saying, will the stalemate allow baseball to continue? Will, will it actually happen? In my mind, I just don't think it will. And here's why I believe that. I think that they're not really coming to any sort of consensus, even with 70 games, the league's just not bargaining. And the big problem with the Players Association is I think they're looking at the league and thinking it's a big, big respect issue while than a financial issue. And so the problem with that is that people are looking really deeply into understanding that the league is maybe trying to look out for their best interests and the players are trying to do their own best interests and they're coming to any sort of compromise. And also, if they had to start it, they would have to start it hopefully within July but that or August. But the way it's rolling, I just don't see it happening. And it's frustrating because, again, I want baseball season because I want to watch a lot of teams perform on TV and everything like that, even if it's in a bubble format. But the problem is, and it's always going to be, is are they willing, are the two sides willing to sacrifice their interests in a sense and egos to compromise for what's right for the league and for not just the league union, but for the players too. So maybe it's, you know, amping up the pay a little bit. Maybe it's telling them, hey, look, we'll, you know, we'll double your pay the next year. 
This year just going to be a little bit tougher because of the financial problems we're having a little bit with the COVID crisis. And I think that's just when you look at that in a totality, that's really what it comes down to for the league. It's just that the league thinks it thinks of it more as a financial issue and the player association thinks it is more of a respect personal issue because they're not getting paid what they're supposed to get paid by the owners and the commissioner. And they, and they're saying if we're playing 60 games, we still should be paid a lot that money because think about it. If you're a lower end baseball player who just got in, you want that full salary that you were supposed to be guaranteed. The problem is the league can't give it to you because the league is looking at the financials and they're not getting the same money from revenues, same money from commercials, same money from fans that they did in the past because they're not going to get those people to the games. And so their money is not as frequent or as accessible as it once was. They're not generating as much revenue and as much money as they were past. So the problem is they're not going to be willing to bargain that in terms of giving you the amount of salary that you think you deserve because of the fact that the players, the revenue that's going to be coming in from everything else is just not going to be as high as it once was because baseball makes a lot of money from the other endeavors it does during the stadium, through fans, through different games, through different fundraisers, through different TV broadcasting programs, through different commercial contracts. That's how they generate a lot of money, and, it's, and it's, they don't have that access anymore, really. So I just don't think it's going to work because I just don't know if the players are going to be willing to sacrifice their interests. If they happen in the NBA, I think it would be the same issue. But I just don't – the baseball union's being a little too headstrong, but the players also are being a little headstrong in their own right, even though I think that they are justified in what they're looking for. They have to understand the league can't necessarily provide everything for them that they once could, but the league should be willing to at least compromise their pricing a little bit in the sense of not just paying them only in the 60 games, but maybe giving them a little higher of a price because there has to be some sort of compromise. I mean, baseball needs to happen, but I just don't think it will because I think the team, both sides are just way too headstrong in their beliefs and their positions. So I think that's just what's going to prevent them at the end of the day from coming to a compromise decision. I'm saying I don't think it will happen this summer. I think baseball might start in the fall, but I think it's just it's going to take a while, I think, for these people to come together. And the fact that the decision hasn't been made makes me believe that this is going to be a longer process. And that's what I kind of feel on that situation. I don't think the stalemate necessarily is going to be good for the league, obviously. It's not good for the league right now. But I don't think it's going to allow the league to occur during the summer. I think it's going to take a lot longer, a lot more effort for that to actually occur in the future. The second thing I wanted to bring up was something I saw in Undisputed, and I thought it was really, you know, interesting because I didn't really think of it that this way. But Lamar Jackson claimed that he thought Christian McCaffrey was the best running back in the league. And in my opinion, I actually do agree with him because I think Shannon Sharp brought up a really good point about Christian McCaffrey in the sense that Zeke is a better runner, but Christian McCaffrey is almost as good of a runner and he's more versatile and also he's more durable than Saquon Barkley. I'm a big Saquon guy because I'm a Giants fan and I think Saquon Barkley is the best running back in the league based on pure talents. But because he can, you know, catch at the backfield, he's a good runner with a pretty bad offensive line. So 
that's kind of how I feel about that. But Christian McCaffrey is the best running back based on just the fact that he is just more versatile and he's more durable. He, he's a really good receiver. He's a good, really good runner. I mean, last year, you know, he – I think, you know, he was – He's one of the best uh, receivers also in the NFL based on just yardage. And, um, you know, it's just um, – yeah, you know, he had – he ran for – you know, I'm trying to think right now. Yeah, he ran – last year he had almost 1,400 yards rushing and that was 1,387 and he had 15 touchdowns. And he caught 116 balls last year. For his career in two th- two seasons, he's ran for two thousand yards. That's that's incredible, right? And the thing is, he's a big part of that offense. He's what gets that engine going in a sense. And that's why, when people are saying that Lamar Jackson should have like been careful what he says when you know doing that, Lamar Jackson has the right to his own opinion about when it comes to sports. First of all, like we allow these all sports analysts to have their own opinion. Lamar Jackson, if he believes that Christian McCaffrey is the best running back in the NFL, he's the best running back in the NFL, you know, and from his mind. And I actually agree with him. There are people who are going to say, say Zeke is better or Saquon's better. But I, I agree with Shannon Sharp on the point that he said that it's about versatility. It's about durability. Christian McCaffrey has been very healthy. He's very versatile because he can catch out of the backfield and he can run for a lot of yards. You know, he ran a, an average of 4.8 yards per carry last year. That's unbelievable. Right, that's unbelievable. And Saquon had a, had a really down year for himself because Saquon was injured a lot of that year. And when Saquon's healthy, he's as good as Christian McCaffrey in terms of running and receiving. But he's not as healthy, right? It, and that that makes a big difference for a team being able to make that next move and make that next step in their evolution of the team with a good running back. Is a running back has to be versatile. He has to be durable. And in order to have those things done, that allows the team to go in the right direction that they're able to really push for that top spot. Because if they have a guy who they know they can count on week by week in those games, I think that's just the important piece, whatever. Another thing I want to talk about within the NFL too, though, is the idea of them maybe doing a bubble system too. Do I think that the NFL should come back? There's a second wave. I think it should, as long as it's contained. The thing with the NBA is it can be played indoors. It can be played in a bubble format. The NFL would be outside and based on it being very physical, it, it would just require a lot more safety protocols. I think basketball would because football is a much more dangerous and physical game. I personally want to see football come back and I hope it does. It's going to be interesting if the second wave of coronavirus hits though, because football is just a sport where you can really get exposed. You know, basketball is the same way, but football more so because football you're in pads and all this stuff and, you're hitting against guys for a while, even though pads might in the jerseys might protect you for an extent, you're still exposing yourself to an extent to getting sick because of the fact that it's just such a contact-based sport. And that is when I look at that in the totality, I think when the Fauci said it has to be built in a bubble, I do agree to an extent that they just have to find some one central location that can play the games. And I think that makes it at the end of the day really important for the league to look into this. If they want to build it, they have to think about the bubble format. Or if they don't, they have to think about the best way to not have fans there and keep the players safe and what kind of testing do they have to do. You know, Adam Silver, for example, is really good at this. I'm not so sure Roger Goodell is. And, you know, Roger Goodell is starting to make more moves in terms of the Black Lives Matter movement. Hopefully he'll do some good things there. 
but this is a big step for him too. What is your plan when the, you know, you're dealing with the coronavirus? Are you going to create a bubble format? Are you going to listen to what the doctors have to say? Are you going to have superior testing in the sense that you're going to be testing the guys regularly because the sport's so contact-based? And are you also going to allow yourself to let the players be a little bit isolated for a sense and they only look at you at their teams and their families? How are you going to manage all of that? Because at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to being super important. If that happens, then you really have to be careful. Because the NBA, for example, took every safety protocol in place to make sure that the league can function. The NFL has way more players than the NBA does. So the problem is you're going to have to be a lot more careful with the NFL. And by doing that, you have to test all the players regularly and you have to be really safe about what the protocol you're doing. Do I think they could do it? Sure. But do I believe in Roger Goodell as much as Adam Silver? No, I don't. And that's why I think it's going to be a little bit trickier for the NFL. But it could definitely be achieved. It's just going to have to take a lot of thinking, a lot of coming together, the owners sacrificing their egos and their interests to be willing to support Black Lives Matter, first of all, but also find a way to fix the coronavirus issue in a sense of for their league. No one's going to fix the coronavirus issue unless there's like a cure or a vaccine, right? But being able to implement proper protocols, it's what the league needs to do and start thinking about, I would say now, what are you going to do for the, for the league to be able to function when September rolls around and you have week one? What are you going to do to allow these players to stay safe, allow them to be able to perform at a high level and be able to do things that they want to do on the football field while also maintaining the proper social measures that you're supposed to keep during coronavirus. And I think that's just the way you have to go from that. In the NBA, I saw a couple things that I found really interesting, and I wanted to talk about both of them here today. The first thing I saw was Ennis Cantor's father was just allowed out of the Turkish prison. And if anyone knows about the Ennis Cantor situation, Ennis Cantor was advocating for religious and personal freedom within Turkey. And it got him so far in a feud with the government that he got his passport denied from Turkey and he was worried about being deported back to Turkey because he might be thrown in prison with his family because his family all got in prison for it. And his dad just got released after seven years. And Ennis basically said, you know, maybe this is the way to promoting more freedom and that, you know, there's hundreds of thousands of wrongfully accused and jailed people in Turkey just based on their religious beliefs. And he said, you know, maybe this is a step to fighting for freedom in the right way there, just as we're fighting for freedom here. And for Ennis' stake, I'm really happy that his father got released because I think it was unfair what Turkey did. But also, Turkey has different customs in the United States, too. So you have to be – it's going to take a longer process there to fight for the freedoms that they want to fight for because Turkey is more hellbound in their system and their structure, right? It's like, you know, not, not everyone's America in the sense of, like, what we have and the freedoms we have. But – Hopefully that can lead to something within Turkey that, you know, leads to positive change in that country and makes everyone happier in that country. Um, Cause you know, Turkey is a big country for a lot of people that, that trade and communicate with and everything like that. So hopefully it, it results in something positive and, and it's going to hopefully bring some sort of change that is not going to diminish the values of, of Turkey, but also maybe just make them better. And I think that's overall what the importance of that is. Like Ennis Cantor is a guy who, is a little bit of a controversial figure, but he's a guy who's very loyal to his family and to his teammates. And hopefully his teammates are willing to support him during this time. And 
you know, be able to just show that, you know, if change can be made in America, then it can be made anywhere else. But you have to also, when you're looking at the change, you can be made everywhere else. You have to look at what the system the country is, how that change could be achieved, and what needs to go into that. Because with America, you got a lot more freedoms than you do in Turkey. You have religious freedom. In Turkey, you really don't have that. So he's saying that if you're looking for the, the fact that you're trying to fight for religious freedom, then you have to be willing to maybe sacrifice your ego in a sense to fight together with the government. I'm talking about sacrificing the ego maybe with the government. The government has to maybe be willing to sacrifice maybe what their values are. And I'm not sure Turkey's ready to do that yet. It will, I think, take a longer time. But the fact that Ennis is saying that this could be achieved makes me think that you know, he's going to be willing, hopefully willing to fight for that change and continually fighting for Black Lives Matter, but also fighting for change within Turkey. And I really applaud him for it. And I really am happy for him that his family who was wrongfully accused of being in prison is now out of prison and he can at least feel a little bit safer about the Turkey situation. And the last thing I want to bring up, which I found really interesting overall was the NFL, sorry, the NBA playoff format. And for people who don't really know a ton about it, basically you have the eight games that go into the playoffs then you have a play-in between the eight and nine seeds of the, of the tournament. How I thought it was going to work was that you were going to have the different seeds play against each other and see what happens. But no, it's seeing basically who gets the eighth and ninth seed after the eight games, and then they play two games against each other. The ninth seed has to beat the eighth seed twice, and the eighth seed only has to be the ninth seed once. And then they go to a traditional one through 16 format, where they play, you know, their playoff seedings and they have their seven-game series and everything like that afterwards. How I feel about these, this playoff format, I think it's interesting. I think the eight games now become critically more important to the teams. It's just obvious now because you have to get that eighth or ninth seed in order to allow yourself to get that chance to play those two games. So teams like the Pelicans, for example, they, if they want to get in the playoffs, they aren't, they're going to have to fight for that eighth or ninth seed. Trailblazers are in the ninth seed right now. And the eighth seed is the Grizzlies. So if you look at that in the totality, I actually do like it. I think, you know, if you had that play-in with a bunch of other teams, I don't think it would incentivize good playoff because if you have the Spurs who beat the eighth seed one game, you know, are they really the eighth seed based on what they've done during the year? No, not really. So the thing is you have to look at the totality. You have to look at what has been done. And then you have to say, okay, that this, this playoff format is, is right because – you have the eighth and ninth seed going into who gets the playoff seeding. And it goes into that. And basically, if the Trailblazers, let's say, beat the Grizzlies twice, they get in the playoffs. If the Wizards beat the Magic twice, they get into the playoffs. And I think it would be really crazy if the Wizards got in the playoffs, even though we, I've had guys in this case who've advocated the Wizards could be a challenge, such as like Grant Robinson and guys like that. And you know, maybe, maybe they do bring a challenge, but I just think that their record is just too poor to be in the playoffs. And, you know, if, they're, if, they, are, if, they, be, if they get hot and beat the Magic, you know, I think that's just weird too. That's, that, that, I still don't understand why they're in that picture, but the league decided to go that direction. So, you know, the Wizards definitely could beat the Magic twice. They definitely could because Bradley Beal can go off and that could just be the end. Do I think the Magic will beat them? Yes, I don't. Think this, I mean, I think the Wizards have a good chance of making the playoffs because I don't think the Magic are that, are that good. But the Magic are, are well coached and provide a good system. And I think that's overall the importance when it comes to that. Also, 
I do think that the Trailblazers will get the AC in the West just because I think they're better than the Grizzlies with the guys coming back. And I think their superstar is better than the Grizzlies superstar right now. Not saying John Morant can't be better than Damian Willard, but right now Damian Willard is a top seven or eight player in the game. And John Morant is a really good rookie. So I think that if you look at that, that's important when it comes to this decision is that who would be the biggest challenge that ace now? The Pelicans, in my opinion, and the Trailblazers would give a really big challenge to the Grizzlies. And I don't think the Kings and the Spurs necessarily would. And that's kind of how I just look at that in a sense. Um, but that's kind of the way I look at it. And, and you know, look, the, the, the playoff format I, I like. I think that having a playing game is definitely important. I like the way that they're doing the playing game giving at least two shots for the 9C to do it because I think that's fair and just to do, be able to do that. And it gives more pressure in the AC that you have to close them out. If you beat them once, they're, they're done. They're, they don't have a chance. But if you lose, you still got another chance to win that game. If you win, you're still in the playoffs, um, which I think is, again, is a really good thing the NBA is doing. I'm just excited to see the league come back because I want to see these games being played and – you know, look, if obviously if people want to take away from the game to focus on Black Lives Matter, as long as they, again, like I said on Sunday, as long as they have a suitable action plan, then, or on Friday, I mean, then as, as long as they have a suitable action plan, then I'm all for it. But just, uh, you know, I, I want to make sure the league also gets done too, because I think that it holds a really good platform within the league too. I think playing games and the game and then the media coverage afterwards can definitely hold great for these guys as well. And I think that's always an important thing when it comes to this at the end of the day is that the league is trying to do things, I think, not just for their best interest, but I think they also are trying to help their players out too. I mean, Adam Silver has always been about listening to his players and trying to understand things too. So, you know, he'll come to what decision he thinks is best as well after hearing all this comment, all these comments from the different players, the players association, everything like that. And, you know, I, I think that's just interesting. I think like Kyrie trying to create his own league is maybe not the right path. I think what his path that he was thinking about is like, you know, maybe stepping away and going to Capitol Hill and marching or donating his money to a lower income neighborhood to promote better education and police reform and stuff like that. And, you know, I think people are giving Kyrie a hard enough time. And I initially did too, just cause I didn't, I, I'm all about an action plan afterwards. And I think that if he has, you know, he's starting to think about it. And I think that, you know, if he has a suitable action plan, then you got to support the guy because he's trying to do what he thinks is right for himself and for players around him. So when it comes to all this playoff format, that's why I'm excited to come back to the league because I hope the league still stands because of the fact that this playoff system is interesting. There's going to be eight games. I really want to see the, the eight, nine matchups because I think those games will be interesting and they will be really tough, to, tough competitive games. And yeah, I'm really excited for the NBA and I really hope that whatever happens to the Black Lives Matter movement, it can be expressed both by players who don't want to play and players that do play, allowing the league to still play and also allowing the platform to still be big and well-known for these players so that everything can get expressed in the most positive way it can and for change to actually be made. And I think the NBA, even playing the games, can do that because the platform that guys like LeBron hold and Chris Paul and other guys, I think that that's just the way you do it. And, you know, you can do it from both ends, but I really just want to see the league play just because I think that will also just do a really good investment from guys' time. And I think they'll be investing also their time into 
allowing their platform to also be well-known in the NBA when they're playing games. They can be saying, hey, look, guys, we're coming together and playing, but we're also promoting Black Lives Matter. We're going to be, you know, using our salary to help lower-income neighborhoods. That's kind of just what it is there. So I think that, you know, for me, I'm really excited about the playoff format, really excited about what's going to happen afterwards. And, again, next week I'm going to have some guests on for my podcast, and I really hope that you guys look into it and stay tuned. Again, thank you so much for listening and have a great Father's Day, everyone. I really hope you guys enjoy it.